All right, I am recording right now. We are going. Here we are. Um, welcome to another episode of The Artistic Director. I am sitting here with Nicole Accardi. Nicole, how are you doing? I'm doing really well, thank you. Yeah, thanks for carving <laughs> out like a small amount of time in your busy day for me. Uh, my absolute pleasure. Thank um, you for making your way here yeah, to no, meet with me. I really like this school. It's really cool. It's pretty amazing. It's, yeah, it's like neat. Anyways, yeah. um, so for the listener who's not familiar with you, can you give a brief history of yourself in the theater slash improv slash performance world that led you to being uh, like the co-creative artistic director of Deep End? Okay. So, let's see. Um, so, my mother is uh, a retired drama teacher. Okay. She was the drama teacher at Wilson High School in Portland. And my father and my mom actually met in the theater when they were 16 and 18. Um, outside of PSU, my mom was in like this weird mashup of, uh, I think it was Mother Courage meets... Romeo and Juliet. It was something absolutely absurd. Sure. And my dad saw her in it. And he was 16. He was running uh, He was running Spotlight and fell madly in love. They're still married many years after. And nice. I think a big part of that is theater. And my sister is a playwright. And um, she went to Northwestern for playwriting. I grew up in the theater, obviously. Because yeah. I feel like you can't really get away from it once you catch the bug oh, yeah. um, <laughs> in a real way. And uh, so then I went to college. I went to um, the Pacific Conservatory Performing Arts for two years. And, and then I transferred, because that's a two-year acting conservatory, transferred to Point Park University in Pittsburgh, got my BFA in acting, moved back to Portland um, in 2009. Uh, I had started doing improv. So I used to go to the summer camp called Young Musicians and Artists in Salem. And uh, that's where I really fell in love with like Viola Spolin improv mm -hmm. because oh, yeah. my teacher there, Adrian Flagg, is friends with Sparky. And, um, and so she's been learning from, you know, the second yeah. closest person One, to once you. removed so once yeah. removed exactly so uh so i trained with her and then i came back and i uh, when i was in high school was a part of this thing called balanced actor where we would uh work out together and um did tech and stuff for shows downtown on hawthorne and um and so when i moved back it was 2009 and it was a time of the depression yeah for no. there was like no jobs yeah and bfa and acting doesn't like really get you much of anything so um adrian offered me a job teaching uh at at the what was it called portland theater brigade and portland theater brigade uh led me to realizing that like oh yeah i love teaching mm -hmm. i Every I realized that everywhere I went, I was um, always like finding some way to do youth theater. Even throughout college, when I was in Pittsburgh, I worked with kids. When I was in California, I did outreach stuff too. And so I was like, oh, this is clearly like a big part of my passion as educational theater. Um, so I went to get my master's in teaching. And during that time, let's see, improv wise, I had when I first moved back, I was part of a group called Daisy Chain that performed at Coho. 
And then I was doing a story slam show um, at Hipbone, and that's where I met D'Amica. Mm-hmm. And D'Amica's parents used to do theater with my parents back when they what? were younger than us. That's cool. At, um, at the Coaster Theater uh, in um, Cannon Beach. And so she introduced me to my husband. Um, we were all in an improv group together called Blank Slate. Um, and there were six of us that were the core of Blank Slate. And we performed a lot together over the course of like two, three years. And then um, I started, I became the drama teacher at Da Vinci Arts Middle School and uh, act professionally and, and scripted work. And, um, and then D'Amica and I were traveling through Europe. We had gone to the International Improv Festival in um, Amsterdam and then went and taught at Cambridge and then uh, came back and were really starting to dream about having a company. And then we went to the International Improv Festival in Seattle. And then it was there that we were like, yeah, this should really happen. Yeah. And then we moved back. I moved back, came back to Portland. And uh, D'Amica was like, I'm doing it. I'm getting a space. I'm tired where I am. And I, and I just want to get it started. And I was like, let's do it. And then I found out I was pregnant. So, <laughs> then, I, so then I was working full time and I was in a show and then and I was pregnant. So I've been like the uh, behind the scenes artistic director and a sounding board a lot of the time for Mika and um, and am now starting to roll out the education part of Deep End as well. So my artistic directorship is mainly going in the direction of what is our youth yeah. section of that going to look like as we continue to grow and expand. Okay. Yeah. Perfect. So I like to start the interview with, after the brief history, Thank you. Uh, a, a big ambiguous question that I ask all of my guests right yeah. off the top and feel free to answer it in any way, shape or form you wish. Mm-hmm. Uh, but the question is simply, what is your artistic direction? What is my artistic yeah. direction? It's a big, ambiguous question. <laughs> My artistic direction. Oh, <laughs> I feel like that's like a horribly profound question. Yeah. Um, because I feel like it is at odds with itself. Hmm. Okay. In Tell a way. Oh, because I believe in getting people in to do the work. Okay. I believe in the power of theater to change people through actively being participants in it, in, through uh, societal discussions, through creating a safe space for people to. Um, share, express, and be a part of uh, dialogues and to see different perspectives. And then at the same time, I'm also really driven by high quality work. Okay. And sometimes those two things 
are at an odds with one another. I would say most of the well, time. Often, yeah, often, often yeah. most of the time. And um, and so that's really it's really difficult. Yeah. Because it beca- it can become like almost soul crushing in a way. I see. Because yeah. you're like you 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 have an idea or um, a vision of what things can be, and when other people aren't on board with that, it's like it's painful. Yeah, soul crushing. Yeah, <laughs> I, I guess this is sort of like just leaning into the confusion yeah. of this question. But like, oh, how, how do you strike that balance? Because I've experienced that also. It's like. You want to provide space for as many people who are who want to be engaged in the theater, but you also want to ensure quality. And those two, yeah, those two are at odds with each other. I would say almost always, like that's there's a there's a balance that you have to strike because if you're allowing new people only to like be in whatever production that you're doing, um, then it's like the the quality they're still learning. They're still learning through no fault of their own. Right. Um, but if you want super high quality things, then you have to be you have to be exclusive. So it's like I guess. And then if you want to be exclusive, also when you're like a startup company. Yeah. Yeah. That's yeah. really difficult too because you're, you're getting not, off the ground. Well, yeah. You're getting off the ground, and like you want to be able to pay artists for their work. Yeah. And that's another thing that I really believe in is like I believe that people should get paid for what they're experts in. Yeah. And it is very hard to yeah. find money to pay people in the theater in general especially in improv theater. Yeah. Like there's just kind of a stigma around like you don't get paid for it. Yeah. And so then we lose a lot of people that are really talented because they are like, I'm going to go and find where I'm going to go and get money. Like, yeah, obviously. They grow up and have to yeah, go certain, and do things. At or a like point you need go to. Go to a bigger <laughs> pool or whatever it is. And so, yeah, how do you strike that balance? Yeah. Um. Time commitment, I think, is a big thing. You, I think you, and you have to have the staying power too. So, yeah. like, how do you create a community that is giving something back to those people that's going to hold them yeah. with you for longer? You, ha- I mean, it really is. It's time. Yeah, and you, and paying them. I think paying them does a nice like psychological thing, which is like saying. We obviously inherently value your work, but we also like literally physically value your work. Here's like, yeah. we have deemed that this is equivalent of value. So we're giving you something like of value because we value who you are and what you're yeah. working. And that makes people strive to be better. Definitely. Because I think to, I don't want to answer the question for you, but now I'm just like, no. my, my brain's no, on please, this little. No, please, go yeah. for it. Um, I think it's understanding that people are always up. Uh, primed to uh, refine themselves and become better. So that's like over time, that's a, especially in the role of an educator, this is perfect actually yeah. for the for the role of an educator where it's like, you're. I mean, you teach at a middle school, you teach drama at a middle school, so it's like these kids aren't like, they're, they're not all like, you know, fantastic actors, yeah. they're still learning a lot, but that's, it's not about being the best like ever right now, it's being the best that you can be right now and right then, like now. cultivating especially your students, like, in a, in a direction to be, like, better. And I think that's maybe the solution of those two things being at odds yeah. with each other. I don't know. That's kind of, like, a, an attempt. <laughs> it's. I mean, it's an attempt. Yeah, it's definitely an attempt. I mean, and that is 
one of the things with working at a middle school too, it's like you have to strike that balance inside of here of like the fun, the joy and everything. Then also like creating a space where kids want to actually get better by taking artistic risks and by thinking critically about their work and giving constructive criticism and receiving constructive criticism and all that like and there's the inevitable thing here that kids do get better and stronger as they grow and when they stay in the program because it's like three years and by the time they're in eighth grade I have to lose them yeah you know and then they leave and I'm like but I could have really used you. And, yeah, exactly. And you look at the next year and you're like, man, if I would have had that kid at where they're at now, I could have done this show. I like, see. right now we were thinking about what the musical is going to be in the spring. And I was like, man, if I still had that kid, I would be able to do Fiddler on the Roof. But yeah. I do not have a Tevye anymore. Yeah. And that's tough. you got to yeah. have someone who can carry the show. Yeah, that's exactly. And that's... And, there, yeah, there's a difference between, like, providing... Because you, you have to provide space for the kids. You have to yeah. provide space for them to, like, succeed and fail. But part of that trick is that... The trick to that is that if they fail really hard, that can be discouraging. Exactly. And that discouragement can, like, resonate throughout their entire life where it's, like, they've, like, almost have an aversion to theater. And that's... Right. Because I see, I, I see teaching children specifically in terms of drama, like leaving them with a good feeling about what they've experienced. Like ultimately... Because you're trying to cultivate people that are going to be patrons of the theater. Exactly, exactly. Or like, practitioners. Yeah, either way. Or at least like appreciators. Yeah, at exactly. Very, at very least. People who value it. Like yeah. that's what... Yeah. And you're the person who is in charge of yeah. that exposure to it. It's... A lot. So my question is then, what what steps can you take to ensure that there's this joy that all of the kids that you're educating can feel? Like, how do you make sure that kids leave the leave the middle school uh, with a positive experience in the drama slash theatrical world? Ooh, yeah, that's another big old how, one. Isn't it? How I try <laughs> to do that? Um, I try to do that by um, creating a space where kids are able to share their voices like actually be seen be heard um i try to create a as many opportunities for them to go and see actual work that's happening inside of the community so that they can see that there's a theater world even right here um i try to invite uh provide as many opportunities for them to work with uh, professional artists that come in um, for each, for all of our shows we have um, professional costume designers and set designers and um, prop designers that come in and work with the kids on that technical stuff so that they can be a part of designing it and have a voice in it too so that they are, are influencing it but they're also seeing these are people who are paid in their profession to yeah. do um, this work so that they can see that there's actually a life for theater outside of that if they choose to perf- to pursue it. Um, I try and do a good balance of games and um, exercises and uh, scene work. I try and, uh, yeah, I try to make sure that we're coming 
back to and being reflective on why are we doing it? Because I feel like when I was early on, like lots of games, lots of games, lots of games, lots of games. And it was joyous and delightful. But at a certain point, um, without having the reflection time for it, like the kids kind of were like, oh, so it's... Yeah, well, recess. What, what like, is what, to begin? Yeah, exactly, exactly. And they didn't like they, they weren't applying it. But I think that when you give the value of these are actually, it's you're learning good life tools. Yeah. You're learning things that are actually going to help you in performance, whether it's scripted work or improvisational work. Um, in these games, yeah, I think it comes back to the idea of like this is valuable and you are valued like telling the treating yeah. the kids like they're valuable because they are they are so <laughs> like, valuable yeah exactly and that's one of the things too is just like providing a place where you're like this is an art form where you get to look at the world around you and how it's affecting you mm-hmm. and look at yourself and look at how you affect the world. And it's such, like middle school is such a wonderful time to do that at. Yeah. Because you're you're becoming this person who has a lot more agency yeah, at this exactly. point. Like you're going into the time where you're gonna become the person who's going out into the world and really making choices about the person that you are going to be. Yeah, m- middle school is when you start gaining the ability to make choices for yourself, essentially. Yeah. Before then, you kind of have just been guided by those who are around you and what you hear. But, like, that's really, yeah, you've, you're becoming independent. You're, you're slowly becoming independent. an independent thinker. Yeah. You're, you're developing, I mean, your prefrontal cortex is... Going crazy. Going insane. <laughs> and then reorganizing itself into being able to make these choices. Yeah. So you're hoping that you're helping them to develop good choice making yeah. as well. Yeah. Cuz yeah. theater I think I really think that theater reattaches us to our humanity. That's like if you're thinking like it's literally you're thinking about how the world affects you and how you affect the world. That's like what humanity is. And, and, it, and it is. Yeah. And, and then I mean like right now in my upper level class, which is the next one that I have is we're studying Brecht, and so yeah. which I'm like super excited about because as we're talking about it, like this, the quote that we're doing today: "All the gang of those who rule us hope our quarrels never stop, helping them to split and fool us so they can remain on top." Yeah. And when I we were discussing that earlier today, um, with my advanced drama kids, they were talking about they're like, "Oh, I was like, what is this?" remind you of you're like today reminds yeah. me of the politics of today it reminds me of you know the diversion tactics of our president it reminds yeah. me you know you know like these kids out they're aware yeah they're thinking they're seeing it and it's really amazing yeah that's a I'm that's a, you're in a very intriguing position right now actually because like you're assuming the role of a public educator so you can't push like a dogma or a philosophy on these kids however there's some like objectively good things in the world <laughs> and <laughs> some of those things are not have the are our government and political system 
is just not doing those things. It's yeah. just not doing it. They're doing for selfish personal gain that is ultimately detrimenting the human race. Yeah. And so, like, you have to acknowledge that, but then not put it. It's just, like, it is. how are you wrestling? So, like, so for, like, right now, because that, you know, last year, I, I last year after the election, I uh, yeah. had the kids write responses to their feelings about the election. Yeah. And then I took what they wrote and I created a script and then we filmed the script of the kids, their words, re- responding to the election. It's giving them space to, giving their yeah. voice space. I had a parent yeah. go, I watched that video and that's really one-sided. And I was like, well, it was the voices of the kids. Like yeah. this was the class. It wasn't me telling them what to say, yeah. but I did, you know, we did rehearse it. Yeah. And it certainly was one-sided in a way. And so yeah. when I when I got the response from the mayor, I was like, oh, shoot. You're absolutely right. Yeah. But then at the same time, like, I, there needs to be a place for kids to discuss what they're seeing yeah. around them, like, with their peers. So, yeah, I can't, I can't tell them. So, like... Trying to but force w- it to be one, to be two-sided would have not been, would have been disingenuous to what they're actually yeah. feeling. Yeah. And, and I encouraged it as much as possible. I yeah. you know, I told people like, if you, you know, yeah, there's a majority idea here. Mm-hmm. And. Hi, uh, I think I left something in here by accident. Okay, mm-hmm. Aiden, what was it? My headphones, uh, I don't think so, because I went through and cleaned everything up. Yeah, you're probably right. I am very stupid. No, you are not no, stupid. No, I'm probably stupid. It's probably my No, Aiden, you're wonderful. Okay, okay. Yeah. Okay, bye, hon. Oh. Oh. Middle school. I remember middle school so vividly. Oh, man. Oh, boy. Yeah. Uh, what were you, oh, we were talking about giving agency to kids' voices and the whole, like... But, yeah, yeah, that is... So, the the political thing right now, because, like, you yeah. have to face... If you're a theater... If you're an artist, you have to face... I mean, if you're a person, you have to face it. So, and, and I think that this is... Um, it's very lucky that there was a company that in town that's doing the Caucasian Truck Circle right now, because it opened up the avenue for me to do Brecht, which is so helpful, because if we're looking at what was happening socially during the time that Brecht was writing and I can use that as a tool for kids to examine the history through the lens of theater and then look at how does that relate to us today and how can we do work that relates to our society in the way that Brecht did work that related to his society and times is allowing them to look and think critically about oh what is politically happening and yeah. what kind of voice could my art have inside of that too? Because this is like a very strange truth for these middle schoolers to be growing up into. Like this is, this four year period of the current president will change things. It's going, I mean, it already has pretty yeah. substantially, but the, the I think there's going to be some sort of substantial long lasting change that will affect years and years and years after he's president and yeah. that's i have to think that like when you're coming into this place where you're just starting to form your own ideas like you have to be a little bit aware that like the world's moving around you but then you don't really have a point of reference i don't know it's like such a very like you have this like really special age range right now <laughs> i do it's a really it is it's a really special age range yeah. it really is yeah yeah 
Yeah, we can we can swim down this forever. Um, but I want to talk about Deepin for a little bit. Okay, so, great. Um, so so the I really like the educational system at Deepin, and I've already interviewed Damika, and she talks about it a little bit. But I just want you to talk about like why did Deepin structure its education the way that it did, as opposed to how every other improv theater that has ever existed does. <laughs> well, uh, having that core having the core foundation idea is really, I I mean, the basics of the idea around um, what sound improv is, which is really the basis and the heart and the soul of um, Deep End, those foundations play into every other thing that you're going to do, all those ancillary bits of classes yeah so the feeding back into the core and strengthening the core yeah what a funny little turn of phrase um it just makes you a, it makes for yeah. a stronger group of people yeah it, and just for the listener it's, yeah. it's it's a it's like a pendulum i was described it so there's yeah. a foundation class you swing through it you take like a, a auxiliary class and then you swing back through the foundation right so it's like exactly foundation auxiliary foundation auxiliary so you're constantly refining those foundational yeah things. yeah and then that also like that idea of how do you craft stronger improvisers or people that you're going to work with when people leave mm-hmm. or you know it helps with people that have more experience coming back through that foundation class as well yeah. to be the people that are modeling and teaching mm-hmm. and and um, and strengthening yeah. themselves. It also helps because, like, in the foundations class, you're gonna have you do well. Okay, so strange. We've we've come back around to the varying degrees of. Oh, yeah. um, Experience, yeah, quality versus, uh, yeah, versus but at the same space. time, like it is a double edged thing mm-hmm. because the people that are new to it allow an opportunity for the people who are more experienced, yeah, to um, learn as well. Because in a really strong improviser is someone who can play with anyone, yeah, absolutely. So you're preventing that opportunity. And also, a lot of times you're not stuck in a rut. What's up, Lola? Um, I left my sketchbook in here. I think, is it yellow? Is it right underneath the chair? Uh, no, it's okay. red. It's red? Yeah. Um, do you want to, you're sure you left it in here? Yes. The lost and found is in the other room. Okay. Yes. You want to look in there? It's in that black and silver yeah. drawers. Okay, thank you. I hope that you find it. You're welcome. Um, I think I might leave these parts in. <laughs> I might, I might <laughs> the kids coming in. Yeah. I think it's sweet too. Yeah, it's it's kind of delightful. <laughs> um, oh, something that I was gonna say about the um, about that foundation. It I think it's mutually beneficial for the experienced and the newer improvisers yeah. because it gives the experienced improvisers agency because it's like okay, you're more experienced and you're modeling and you you have to be aware of that. You should be a little aware of that. Yeah. And so it makes the more experienced improvisers like make sure they're they're on the top of their game, and it also gives the newer improvisers something to strive for. Something that's like, oh, like I I might not understand the whole form as well as this person, but yeah. I can see they're doing it. So like, yeah. It's also interesting because 
it makes you aware of what you're doing in a different way too because yeah. you're like okay so I've already gone through this class and I'm coming back through and I'm seeing the things that like maybe exercises that are repeated and sometimes there's new exercises mm-hmm. that you haven't seen before because it is even though it's a you know a model it still changes based on what we're learning out in the world and everything like that yeah because that's the hope that we're always always growing yeah. um <laughs> And that's the same thing. Like when you're coming back through and you've you've done the exercise before, you learn something new the next time you do it. You also learn from the people that watching the other people discover it for the first time. Mm-hmm. Like what do the people yeah. do that haven't yeah, done it before? Oh, interesting. And interesting. thinking back on how did I like how am I different now than I was? Yeah. And like seeing having that experience of seeing people do it for the first time, you instantly are going to reflect on. I was once doing that for the first time. Yeah, exactly. And this is how I am now. And how is how I am now different than how I was then? Yeah. So it humbles you in a way. It humbles you in a way. And I think that it, it forces you to have a different kind of awareness of yourself Yeah. as a performer and where you are in your craft. Like, just an awareness of your growth. Yeah. Your awareness of how the tools are really working for mm-hmm. you. Um. Easy to forget. It's yeah. very easy, easy to forget. To forget. Yeah. Because, yeah, like, yeah you, you don't, typically you don't notice change within yourself. Yeah. Typically it's not like you wake up and you're like, oh, wow. I'm I've, different than I was. Yeah, I feel better at improv today or something like <laughs> yeah, that. Exactly. That's, yeah, you have to think it's like, yeah, I, you, you have to kind of like think three years ago and be like a little cringing at yourself. It's like, oh, well, yeah, I used to be like that. I, used to, I had like wheelhouses and like stock characters that I used to pull out, but no more. <laughs> no, but no yeah. more. Um, Great. Uh, we're almost at the half hour. I always like asking, is there anything that we haven't talked about yet that you want to talk about in terms of like theater administration, theater education, just like the world of theater in general? Um, it's okay mm-hmm. if no. <laughs> well, there's lots of things I'd like yeah. to say about it. Well, pick one and say it. Okay, great. <laughs> um, I am, I feel like there is... I'm very, I'm afraid about Hmm. theater. I'm afraid about the future of theater. I'm afraid for the city that I live in because we're starting to lose our small houses. Um, People aren't able to keep the rent. I'm really happy that Deep End is being successful inside of this climate because a lot of theaters that have been there for a while are either in jeopardy or have had to close. and I'm afraid because it's getting harder and harder to find donors. It's getting harder and harder to reach an audience, to have people leave their houses, to come yeah. into the space um, and to be together. And I mean, like that really, that's the most important thing that we have to offer. Yeah. Is a sense of community. A sense of community and yeah. connection and in this time we're really losing it and we're losing the need for the human connection but it's really in our dna that it's necessary we're communal beings and i'm afraid also about like what that's doing to us performance wise Mm -hmm. as people because it seems like there's so many people that are so geared towards what is it for me? What am I getting out of it? What does it look like for my career? What does yeah. it look like for my name? What is it, you know? And I think that that is 
important. Yeah. But I want it to be about the stories. Yeah. That's what it is. I want it to be about the stories. I want it to be it to be about the community. I want it to be about something that is bigger and that is a sacrifice of ego for the greater good. Yeah. I want it to be that we come in and we create something, even if it is just an an improv show for the one night, or even if it is just a thing that we do in class, even you know, even if it is the educational world, whatever it is. I want it to be something that slows down time. Yeah. I want it, like that's what I want. That's a good way to describe it. Yeah, that's definitely. Yeah. And I, I have to trust my inclination, or at least I, even if it's not my inclination, I need to trust that we will ultimately recenter back to the truth of like it is important to connect with others. Because a big dilemma that the theaters are having right now is how to get butts and seats, how to get people uh, out of their house not watching Netflix because it's very easy. It's very, and I've had tons of those where it's just like. I was doing stuff all day today. I don't want to leave this house. I want to just like sit on my couch and I want to watch an episode of Documentary Now or something yeah. like that. Like, and that's th- those are perfectly legitimate feelings. But it's just that it, you can easily just stop engaging with your community right. and like not go going and seeing the theater. And there's a very tangible, different experience if you engage in like because the, they're in the room with you. They're in the room. Yeah. That's so important. <laughs> that is so and I important. Think when you ask me about my artistic direction. Like the direction that I'm going towards, what really inspires me is how do we make that? Like I love the thing that like makes me so excited (laughs) is immersive work, immersive theater, um, because I believe that that is a big way of getting people in the door is that they're going to have an experience. I think that proscenium style theaters where the audience sits here and the actors are up there is something that is a part of the problem. And I think that we actually mm. have to break down that form yeah, because I think that it is not serving us well because yeah. it's like a screen. And exactly. if I'm not involved in this process or if you're not changing the temperature in the room, by your performance that is making it so that it feels like me being here and feeling mm-hmm. this, what's happening in the air around me, that change. Yeah. If that's not happening, then why did I why did I leave my house? Yeah. And then that ruins, like you were saying, you're giving the kids the, their first experience of it and like catching the bug. We run that risk every time that we bring kids, bring humans, bring people, the audience into the into the theater. Yeah. If they're gonna see something that's gonna be a piece of crap. Yeah. We're running the risk that we're going to lose them the next weekend too. Yeah. And the weekend after that and for every other theater. Yeah. It does feel like pressure, but it we got to yeah. think of like how do we change that? Yeah. And I think it's it's breaking down the proscenium. It's I breaking it, it's, I think you have to we got to break down the proscenium. Absolutely. And it's like it's not that that style of theater doesn't have its own like credence. Place. Yeah, place yeah. and but it's definitely because the question is now, like, yeah, how, what what can you provide an audience that they cannot get in their own home? And mm-hmm. I think that is a step in the absolute correct direction of like, 
you can't have an experience like this. You you must come to this space, to this theater, to have an experience like this because you just can't have it anywhere else. And like that sort of like giving that agency, I think, will make theaters successful in the future, and will kind of remind humanity of like why it's important to have theater in general. Yeah, that's my little that's my little two cents on the. Whole I love thing. it. Yeah. yeah. Um, uh, okay, I'm, I'm gonna, it's a little bit early, I'm gonna just, uh, it was a nice little crest. I hate, like, I hate ending on something that I said. <laughs> 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 um, but here we are. Here but we here are. we uh, are. Uh, Nicole, if anyone is online trying to find you or the Deep End Theater, do you have any plugs at all or of the greater Portland Theater community oh, that you want to just, like, I, plug in? I would certainly plug deep end yeah i would certainly plug da vinci arts middle school okay because um you can always donate to the school and yeah. it is an art school that is an alternative for kids in portland public schools so that they can get um actual arts education yeah. in their day and so we draw on schools in the area and provide a very unique opportunity for kids to actually express themselves that's yeah very important so, especially yeah. in this age range especially D is deepend.com is it just deepend or is it org? do you know deependtheater.org okay yeah if any you have google you have google listener find it yeah listener <laughs> you have google also find us on the facebook yeah and like us yeah that's important because deepend likes you oh yeah, that's like they do um, one last question that I like, and it's another like too vague for its own good question. But at the end of my podcast, I always like, can you give me a recommendation of one thing of anything at all? It could be a book, a movie, a thing to eat, a way of life, a quote, just anything whatsoever. I know that's like that's a crazy way to end, but I just like, like no, what's I a random, love it. Oh yeah, my goodness, what's a random recommendation? Yeah. Um, I recommend the. Have you read The Name of the Wind? Yes, I have, actually. <sighs> See, then I can't recommend that to you. Okay, have yeah. you read all of those books in that series? Uh, no, I haven't. And then I would recommend reading the next. Okay. You only read The Name of the Wind. Yes, I only read the first one, and it was phenomenal. It was okay. really, really well, good. Well, he has a sequel. Yeah, and, and then there's a third one that's coming out in a little bit. Yeah, okay, yeah. you need to read that. Okay. So that's one thing. Okay. Um, another thing that I would suggest would be uh, for you to watch Oh, Hello. Oh, yeah, I, I have also... Oh, my God, know, what can I recommend you that, <laughs> that you haven't really seen it's or like, read? It's like, it's like half for me and just half for the listener. It's just like oh, a recommendation. Oh, my God. Those are two really high-quality recommendations, though. Well, thank you. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> oh, oh, oh. Um, also, you should uh, play the game Duel. Okay. Have you played that game? I have not played that See, game. See, finally I gave you something okay, that you good. haven't done Good, yet. good, good. Oh, I oh will... that's a great game. Ooh, ooh, okay. I'm excited. Yeah. I, I really mm -hmm. like games. Anyways. So, yeah, go to Guardian Games. Have okay. you been to Guardian Games? I haven't yet. You haven't? No. Do you like games? I do. I really enjoy it. Maybe you should go to Guardian okay. Games. Okay. Yeah. Okay, cool. Uh, well, Nicole, thank you so much oh, for sitting down with me. Thank you. It was, yeah, it was delightful. And it was a delight. Yeah, I am excited to see what the future holds. I am really <laughs> so, excited like, about it too. It's excited, scary. To, blah, 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 blah. Yeah. Um, you can find this podcast on Facebook and SoundCloud and iTunes. Listener, thank you so much for listening. Thank you, you, listener. Have, yeah, thank you, thank you. Thank, thank you. Thank you, Nicole. And thank, thank you, listener. Thank you. And I hope you have an excellent rest of your day. Bye.